Hello, and welcome to the Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. Today, I'm your host, Brady Brewer, and I'm an associate professor of agricultural economics. And joining me today is Michael Langmeyer, uh, professor of agricultural economics and associate director of the Center for Commercial Ag here at Purdue. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to review the results from the June uh, Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer Survey that goes out to farmers for, um, all across the nation. Each month, we survey 400 farmers from across the U.S. to learn more about their perspective on the U.S. ag economy. This month's Ag Barometer Survey was conducted from the 13th through the 17th of June. I do want to take a quick moment here just to remind listeners, uh, you can find the Purdue Center for Commercial Ag on Twitter. The username is at PU Commercial Ag. And for all of your farm management needs, you can go to purdue.edu backslash commercial ag for the center's website. Uh, so jumping right into the results from the June barometer, uh, Michael, what were some of the things on the farmers' minds this year? Yeah, every every month we, we have an open-ended question at the end of the survey, uh, just having uh, farmers share their thoughts. And a lot of farmers do, do take advantage of that. And any any, any given month, two-thirds to three-fourths uh, provide some comments. And, and we take those comments and we put them into word cloud. And I think this is very useful uh, to see what uh, to, to see what's on their mind and, and really is closely associated with the sediment. Uh, the big words this month, no surprise, inputs. That's been a big a big word on the word cloud for a long time. Energy, uh, inflation. Uh, there's a lot of other words related to prices and costs, but one of them surprised me a little bit, Brady, this month is regulation. And I don't know exactly what uh, was on their mind, but that was also uh, a concern uh, this, this, this particular month. So, Michael, do you see that as concern for new regulations that may impact agriculture? I think so. There's a lot lot of changes being made and a lot of discussion being made, not only in production agriculture, but also in agribusinesses. And and I think the farm audience is picking up on some of those things. Yeah. So we're looking at the word cloud, Michael, uh, you know, the words that stick out to me, obviously you mentioned inputs, uh, but two of the other large words, energy and inflation, really all three of those are getting at the same thing there. Yes. I mean, obviously the energy policy that we, uh, that we currently have in this country is, is creating a situation where diesel diesel prices are very high and it also impacts a lot of other inputs uh, because most inputs have to be trucked in uh, you know to get to the, the agribusiness that, that sells it to the farm or directly to the farm and of course uh, when you have high diesel costs that's going to increase the cost uh, of those items and so that's a big concern for farmers uh, I mean, energy in particular but just inflation in general and and we're gonna ha- we're gonna talk about several questions they get at this inflation input costs here in a little bit all right so with that let's get right into what what happened to the barometer index uh, here in June of 2022? Well, the, the index only dropped two points in June, and and but that's but but we have to look back in time and and see and see where the barometer is currently at. It's currently at 97. It hasn't been this low since April and May of 2020, which is right at the heart of COVID, uh, right when COVID started. And so that says a lot. Uh, if you think back uh, when COVID started, crop prices 
prices were not very high. What was the difference, Brady, there? Well, input costs were also not very high uh, in 2020. And so and so one of the themes that's coming out in the ag economy barometer, the last two months in particular, but for the last several months, is the fact that input costs are relatively high. And this inflation, because there's such a wide band uh, in terms of inflation expectations, there's a wide band in where input costs uh, may go. And anytime you have uncertainty, uh, uh, the sediment indices, indices like this uh, 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 show more pessimism, uh, you know, because they don't. They, it's harder to plan for the future. They don't know what's going to what's, what's going to happen in the next month, yet alone the next year. Uh, and, and farmers are, are, are buy a lot of assets. They buy machinery. They 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 build grain bins. They buy land. All of those assets are long term, and you need to make plans. You need to have some forecasts of where net returns are heading uh, when you buy those assets. And it's just harder in this environment. And I think that's really helps explain why the index indice is, is, is quite low uh, compared to where, it, where it's been recently. Uh, uh, if you look back earlier this year, it, it was over 100. Uh, so sitting at 97 today, it was, it was 100, close to 120 uh, you know, it, it, just a few months ago. Yeah, so historically, uh, looking at at the data, this is the lowest it's been in about a five-year time frame. Uh, I, I do want to remind listeners, so this is a, a sentiment index. So, you know, a score of 97 isn't awful, um, which shows, you know, I don't think it's all doom and gloom out there, but this is the lowest it's been on, on a five-year period. Essentially, what that means is you've got you've got some people that are that are that are really pessimistic, but you got some people that are more neutral. Uh, you know, score 97 is more of a neutral index rather than a uh, necessarily extremely optimistic, extremely pessimistic, and, and certainly not as pessimistic as the consumer survey out of the University of Mich Michigan. I've looked at that last couple months. That is very doom and gloom uh, if you look at that one. This one is not like that. It's, it's more of a neutral reading. Yeah, that index, uh, I've seen that as well. It, it's well below 100. Yes. It does not paint a good picture of the overall economy here moving forward. So, Michael, what is what is driving this index? You uh, you on the barometer, you ask the the farmer, you know, the the future expectations, but also current ex, uh, expectations. So what's driving this yeah, current index? Yeah, there's five questions that go in the Ag Economy Barometer Index, and and some of those questions are more current, related to current conditions, and some of those questions are related to future expectations. And and usually one of those is 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 relatively higher or relatively and relatively lower than the other. Uh, right now they're about the same, uh, and that and that's important to talk a little bit more about because for a long time here, uh, you know, really for the last uh, most of the last two years. The index of current conditions has been higher than the index of future expectations. I think reflecting the fact that we had strong net crop returns, certainly in 21 and, and 22 is, is not in the bin yet, but it doesn't. You know, if we if we can get some get some rain here, uh, I think we're gonna we're, we're gonna look at some fairly decent net returns uh, this fall for, for for crops. And so and so it, it it always made sense to me that the index of current conditions was higher than the index of future expectations until recently. Now they're worried about about the current situation, uh, and and so that that's a big change uh, we've seen in the last uh, two or three months. Uh, the fact that they, those indices are almost identical. Yeah, there's more worry about getting the fertilizer for this year's crop than maybe yeah, for for next year's crop. Yeah, well, there's, there's more worry about the input costs, and then as you know, as we have you know, June and July is a typical period where you have a lot of weather uncertainty, and, and the markets kind of fluctuate accordingly. And there is some dry dry conditions in Great Plains and, and parts of the Corn Belt, and so I think that also. Uh, impacts 
the index of current conditions. So that's current and future. Uh, but you also asked, you know, do you feel better or worse off than you where you were last year at this time? So what did farmers say on that? This is actually the first question in the survey. And it, it says, would you say that your farm operation today is financially better off, worse off, or about the same compared to a year ago? And I'm not real surprised at this one because, you know, now we're looking at 21, which which, which was a very good year uh, in terms of, of, particularly for crops, uh, was a very good year. And the net farm income, if you look at U.S. net farm income, was relatively high in 21. And so I'm not real surprised uh, to say that, that people think they're worse off this year uh, compared to a year ago. But it's rather striking uh, if you compare the, 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 uh, 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 the index uh, this month uh, compared to the index in June 21. Uh, in June 21, uh, 28% said they would be worse off. Uh, and now it's 49% or close to half. And so they're, they're starting to realize that, that 22 is not going to be as good as 21. Um, um, and that's essentially what this is telling us. Yeah. And but 14% did say they are better off than yes. last year. So there is some optimism. That was a little surprising. That was a little surprising. Uh, when I when I look at the, the net returns, again, assuming that we get decent yields, for example, in the Eastern Corn Belt here, I think 22 is going to be not quite as good, but it's going to be a good year. Now, you mentioned cash flow, a big part of cash flow, you know, or cash flow is a big part when you're thinking about making purchases. Um, you know, you guys look at, you know, this farm financial performance index. Uh, tell me what this is telling us. This, this is a very similar question to the one we just discussed. It's look, it's comparing uh, this year to last year in terms of financial performance. So it's worded slightly different, but it should give a similar information. And it does. Uh, you know, currently the index is at 83, meaning that uh, there's more people think that 22 is not going to be as good as 21. But again, I think that's very logical uh, that, that, that they would say that because because 21 was so good. And uh, it would be interesting, we don't do this, but it'd be interesting to see what they think 22 is compared to 19 or 20. And I think if you did that, they actually would be think that 22 is gonna be better. And so I think, I think that's important to keep that in mind. Uh, you know, one of the questions that's very interesting and gets a lot of press every month is the, is the question related to farm investments. Yeah. So you guys ask, you know, is now a good time to make a, a capital investment on your farm? And not surprisingly, uh, you know, historically, this has been under 100. It's never a good time to make a large purchase. Right, Michael? But, um, you know, this has seen a decline. Yeah, this index is at the all time low. We started this we started this survey back in late 2015. And so we didn't get back into the uh, 2007, 2013 period where there's a lot of machinery purchased and grain bins uh, built and and, and tile drainage <laughs> put in and all of that stuff. But but nevertheless, I mean, this is a really low index. And and, and there's two things going on here. Uh, one, we have a follow-up question in the last few months uh, saying that uh, was low machinery inventory levels, uh, did that affect your um, uh, purchasing plans? And 50% said yes. And so that's a very large number. Secondly, uh, there's, there's good cash flow out there for the most part on farms, but machinery prices are either high it's difficult to find new machinery. When you look at used machinery, they're, they're, they're really high. And so that's part of what's going on with this question is, yes, the cash flow is there, but the machinery is expensive. And so they're saying, maybe if I can wait, I will wait. Yeah, so it's 
<clears throat> if it's not a necessity right now, yes. there is yes. there's some waiting. And this could mean a lot of equipment purchases here over the next couple of years because farmers have really put off some maybe needed or, or almost needed investments into the farm over the past two to three that's years. Definitely, that's definitely the case. And, and, and I always point out when I, when I talk to people about this, uh, this question specifically, uh, from 2014 to 2019, farms didn't make uh, as large a farm, uh, farm machinery investments in particular. And so there's a lot of farms that, that are really ripe, if you will, uh, to, to replace some of that machinery that was bought from 2007 to 2013. And so, and so when the, if the supply chain situation improves, uh, you know, we can get this inflation uh, you know, under control. These are big ifs, of course. But if, but if that happens, I think the demand for machinery would be very strong. So machinery is one capital uh, investment, but you guys also asked about expectations for probably one of the largest things on a farmer balance sheet. Well, not one, uh, probably it is one of the largest things on a farmer's balance sheet, and that is uh, farmland. Now you guys ask uh, farmland price expectations, both, uh, you know, is it going to be higher five years from now or is it going to be lower? What did farmers say? Yeah, higher, lower, than, and then remain the same. And so uh, higher right now is 57%. So 57% think farmland prices are going to be higher five years from now. 16% think they're going to be lower. That 16% may not sound very big, but that's that's the, about the highest we've seen uh, in the life of this survey. And so there's still optimism regarding farmland. That's how I'd, that's how I'd summarize this question. But the optimism is not as strong as what it was last fall. Uh, last fall, close to 70% thought that farmland prices were going to, to increase five years from now. And I think part of what's going on with this question is, again, it's not that cash flow is not there. Uh, interest rates are going up, but they're still relatively low. Uh, you know, we got non-farm investment. We got, we've got uh, uh, inflation uh, going on. And so there's a lot of factors that are positive for farmland values, but they've went up so much in the last year. And so, and so people are starting to think, can they continue to do that? I really do think that's the question they're asking in their mind and why there's as there's fewer people thinking that they're going to continue to increase. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks out there when it comes to what asset prices will do. You mentioned interest rates. Obviously, that's one of the big drivers of asset prices. Higher interest rates go, that's going to uh, put downward pressure on asset prices. Uh, but you also mentioned inflation, right? Just general price level. That's a kind of a countervailing pressure to the uh, current interest rate. Um, demand and supply of farmland is also, you know, how much is going to be sold? How much, you know, who are the buyers in the market? So the cash flow issue, big question marks out there. So I will say from an economist standpoint, I, uh, I agree with the division in the results and that I'm a little undecided as well of which I think you could make an argument for it going up or down over the next five years, giving these countervailing pressures. Well, so you ask, will it rise? Uh, but one of the things that, uh, you know, we're interested in, and, and we've kind of just been discussing this, uh, is what are the reasons that farmers think that the farmlands will rise over the next five years? When we first started asking this a few months ago, I, I was I was really quite surprised because uh, when I when I talked to, to farmers, at least, when I talk, you know, when we're looking at, at farmland, I, I emphasize cash flows and interest rates. That's the fundamentals when, uh, when you're looking at, at farmland. That's not what people are saying is driving the farmland value increases. Uh, they're saying 47% uh, say non-farm investor demand is important. 33% say inflation. I don't disagree 
disagree with either one of those. Uh, I just I just wonder if, if those really are that overwhelming uh, in terms of the factors that are driving farmland. But that's what the farmers are telling us. And obviously, uh, when the farmers do go to, to, to auctions or, or bid on land, they are seeing non-farm investors at those auctions. And so that's certainly the case. And then I think most people know that uh, land is a good hedge against inflation, typically any physical asset, gold, silver, precious metals of, of various sorts, and, and, and land uh, you know, are, are, are good hedges against inflation. And I think they're, that's, we're, we're picking that up. But also, when you think about interest rates, Brady, and I'd like you to comment a little bit about this, because you follow this closely, more closely than I do. <clears throat> when we talk about low interest rates, We've got a we've got a nominal interest rate and a real interest rate, and and right now the real interest rate is negative. Uh, so uh, comment on that a little bit. So what Michael's talking about is you know real interest rate is taking the the interest rate you get in the marketplace and you subtract out inflation. So essentially, when inflation goes above the nominal interest rate, the real interest rate goes negative. And obviously, our Federal Reserve um, or any central bank across the world does not like that to happen, and that's going to trigger a increase in interest rates. Uh, we just saw that uh, here in June. The Federal Reserve just did a historic 75 basis points or three quarters of an interest rate increase to the Fed funds rate. That's going to trigger interest rate increases of, you know, for all of our loan products that farmers use, uh, you know, and, and going to further increase it in the signs. Uh, if you follow Federal Reserve policy, you know, all and and what the FOMC board is expecting, we're probably going to have four more increases of, of minimum 50 basis point increase for the rest of 2022. Um, so that's probably going to increase interest rates at least another 2% here through the end of 2022. Um, that's you know, anytime you increase interest rates, that's going to put downward pressure on asset prices because it makes that mortgage payment more so people can afford less. But then you have that inflation argument on on the other side. It's also going to complicate what we said earlier in terms of demand for machinery and grain bins, even though the, even though the cash flow is there, if interest rates are higher, that obviously has an impact. And so it's going to it's going to play out on all asset purchases. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see how that that plays out. So I, I definitely agree with the farmers here that the inflation and in, um, is you know a, a big driver of this. You know the one thing I'll say on the non-farm investor Michael is that all it takes is one at an auction, one 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 person to show up and bid against the person that really wants that land to really drive that that price higher. So yes, good one, point. So yes, we may not see a whole lot, or in the data we may not see a whole lot of non-farm investors, and you know certainly the data that comes out of Iowa State and some of the other land grants is that you know still most of the land goes to other farmers, but all it takes as one other bidder. So, you know, it, um, my guess is we have some farmers in here that have been bid against by some of these non-farm investors. Precisely. All right. So that's uh, what farmers think on land values. But the other part of land values is cash rent. And, and really, I view cash rent as the income dividend from a piece of land. Uh, but it's also a large part of the you know, expense for farmers that do uh, rent land. So uh, the barometer asks, compared compared to a year ago, what are your expectations for cash rent in your area in 2023? And they have the option of lower, about the same, so a neutral um, selection or higher. So Michael, what did farmers say for cash rents? Uh, there was only 3% that said lower. That was not surprising. I was a little surprised that there was, as, as 45% said about the same, but we don't qualify that. About the same could mean different 
different things to different people. Uh, the, the, most, the most important result here, I think, from this question is 52% thought that cash rent was going to be higher. That would certainly be very consistent with what we're seeing in the eastern Corn Belt. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, pressure on, on cash rents in, in Illinois and uh, in Indiana and Ohio. So one thing I'll mention here is that uh, rental rates tend to lag increases in land values. Yes. So it's not surprising we're seeing this because you mentioned it earlier, we've seen uh, pretty large increases in land values across the U.S. Uh, so, you know, this lag of interest rates, and, and this is for various reasons, sometimes... You know, rental contracts can be on three-year terms. Sometimes landlords' uh, rental prices can be what we call sticky. They're just slow to, slower to change than the actual um, auction prices for the land. You know, I, I completely agree with the, the farmer sentiment here that we're going to continue to see uh, increases in in. Uh, rental rates. And various, and various researchers have done statistical analysis looking at cash rents and net returns, and, and I've also done some of that, and, and there's a very high correlation, just like you're saying, Brady, between uh, the, the cash rent in 23, for example, and what the returns look like in 22. Uh, and 21 for that matter. And so and so the recent history of net returns has a big impact on where cash rents might be moving in the next year. And so that's why we're seeing that. Uh, we also had a follow-up question compared to this year by how much do you expect uh, 2023 cash rents in your area to increase? We asked the same question last year and there was not quite as much pressure uh, for rates to increase as there is this year. Uh, but now we have you know 21 uh, pretty strong net returns. It, it looks pretty good for 22, like I've been saying. And so I was not that surprised to see that uh, uh, we had 42% uh, of the people that thought a cash rent was going to increase, that's who we asked this question of, uh, that said it was going to be 10% or more. That, that actually is a little bit surprising to me, Michael. I mean, 10% is a pretty large increase in, in cash rental rates. Yes, it is. And you have almost, ha what, not quite half, 42% of the farmers that think that it's going to be 10% or more. Yeah, it's 42% of the 52%, so it'd be 20% of the total total sample. But yeah, that's that's a pretty significant uh, a, a percentage of, of people. Uh, but most of these people, we didn't ask this question this month, but most of these people cash rent ground. And so I think they... <laughs> I think they, 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 they kind of they kind of expect some big changes this year. So let's switch to more of the immediate future here and get away from some of the uh, asset questions. And one of the questions we ask on the barometer is just looking ahead to next year, what are your biggest concerns for your farming operation over the next year? So Michael, what farmers say here? This is one of my favorite questions because I think it, it really gives us insight and in why the why the barometer index is where it's at. Uh, and so we want to look at that 97 reading. Uh, looking at this question is very very helpful. Uh, and and overwhelmingly this month and the last few months, uh, their biggest concern is higher input costs. 43% uh, said higher input costs was their biggest concern. That's followed by availability of inputs. Uh, you know, Jim and I have been talking about this in the last several uh, podcasts. Uh, for for the for the barometer and 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 we're saying if we if we would ask availability of inputs two years ago particularly in 2019 three years ago that wouldn't have been on people's radar uh, but given what's happened in the last month it was difficult to find some key inputs for the farm that's on people's mind in fact more people said that that was an issue than lower crop and livestock prices which is saying a lot because usually a typical typical uh, you know a typical uh, period a more normal period if you will if there is such a thing in, in, in any industry, uh, lower crop and livestock prices would be overwhelmingly uh, the choice uh, as, 
the biggest concern. But it's third. Uh, it's it's in third place uh, right now. And so and so this this whole idea of uh, of input costs, availability of inputs, going back to the word cloud, uh, is very important uh, in terms of driving the, the current sediment. Yeah, there's a lot of worry about there. Not just the price of inputs, but now we're bringing in just are they going to be available? So looking ahead, uh, one of the, the questions you ask is, you know, to the crops that will be planted in the 2023 year. So thinking about this fall um, and into next spring of, of next year, we ask, what change do you expect for 2023 crop input prices compared to prices paid for 2022 crop uh, input prices? So now we're getting into what's the actual change that you expect in these input prices? And what did farmers say here, Michael? This is rather amazing to, to stop to think about it. And so I want to spend some time on this chart. Only 12% think that the input prices are going to decline. That's after very large increases in 22. And so there's not much optimism here in terms of where input prices are going. Now, now cash rent's a big item. And so if cash rent goes up, even if the other inputs don't go up, you're still looking at an increase. But, uh, but and so you got to keep that in mind. But uh, zero, zero percent was only 25 percent. Uh, and then we'll go to the, the far right of, of, of the of the chart of the chart that, that we're going to have on the Internet related to this is 20 percent or more, 16 percent thought that input prices would be increased 20% or more. Just to put that in perspective, uh, when we, we do a corn budget here uh, at Purdue, and, it, and every, a lot, most land grants do this, and, and just this is just one example, it would be similar uh, across other states, uh, corn break-even prices increased 30%. Uh, in 21, unprecedented, very, very large increases. That means on top of that, we're going to have another 20%. I can see why, the, why there's some pessimism out there with a few folks. Yeah, so this is actually a little surprising to me because, you know, you you hear about the fertilizer, the quadrupling of fertilizer prices. Yeah. You know, I expected some farmers just say, oh, yeah, we're going to have some easing just because we've had such historical and, and not all of this is inflation, right? Some of the inc increase, yeah. in incre uh, increase in input prices is due to the supply chain and supply side issues. So you would figure once the supply chain gets that figured out, there would be some easing. Farmers are not optimistic that even if we do figure out some of these supply chain issues, that it will result in a decrease in their budgets for the 2023 crop year. So one of the questions we asked in June of 2022 is, did you plant winter wheat in the fall of 2021? And Michael, what did, uh, how many farmers said that they planted wheat last fall? What we're trying to get at here is, is, is just to get some idea whether farmers plan to plant more wheat. I mean, the Biden administration, for example, was looking at different incentives that they could provide to, 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 to plant more wheat. Uh, you know, this is given the Ukraine-Russia situation and, and uh, uh, difficulty of getting crops out of that area. Uh, they're, they're very important for winter wheat, both of those countries. And so that's, where the, that's why we're asking those questions. And so we posed a question to those that grew corn, soybeans, wheat, and cotton. So we eliminated uh, livestock producers, and, uh, 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 for example. And 31, uh, 31% uh, said they planted winter wheat in the fall of 21. And so we used that uh, number uh, to see what their intentions were for the fall of 22. And this is winter wheat, so this is very important to keep in mind. There's a lot of spring wheat uh, in, in, the, in the Northern Plains, for example. So of that group, 24% uh, said they were going to increase winter wheat. I thought that was rather large. So the, the people that planted winter wheat in 21, uh, you know, a, a, a quarter of those thought they were going to increase winter wheat acres. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of this, you mentioned the, the Eastern European Ukraine-Russia conflict. This is driving a, a lot of that here. Obviously, that region uh, is a pretty large wheat producing region. There's a lot of uncertainties now, though I've seen estimates that uh, crops in the ground over there that farmers were able to get 70, 75% of the crops in the ground, but now you have the issue of can they get them out of the country? So there's a lot of a lot of question marks surrounding the, the crops being grown over in that part of the world right now. Um, and this is what's driven, you know, wheat price, all commodity prices are up. Uh, you know, this is... I. I know we've made mention on the podcast here before that I'm one of the younger faculty in our department, but this is going to show my age. I remember as a child, you know, my dad just wanting $3 wheat, right? And now it's up a, you know, way higher triple to quadruple of that. So that's what's driving a lot of these increase of, of wheat planting in intentions that, that higher price. Um, so we asked, you know, 24% that grew wheat last year said they would increase it. But you also asked, if you didn't plant wheat, are you planning on planting it next year? This is probably one of the more important results on these acreage questions. 14% said yes. Now, it's still early. I mean, I think wheat prices dropped after the latest acreage report here. Uh, and, it's, and there's going to be a lot of bouncing around. And so this may change between now and, and when they actually plant the wheat this fall. But the fact that 14% of the people that didn't grow wheat and didn't plant winter wheat in 21 are thinking about planting winter wheat, I thought was a, a, was a, a surprising result. Uh, and 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 really would result in in, uh, uh, in quite a few more wheat acres. Yes, you have wheat farmers are planning, you know, a quarter are planning on planting more, and then 14% that didn't grow it are planning to plant it here in the, in the fall of 2022. Now, we didn't, we, I, I'm, we're not going to talk specifically about that question. We did We did ask farmers in general, uh, what what types of crops were they thinking about ex- expanding? Uh, and and uh, uh, wheat was one of those, but also soybeans. And so we will continue to ask questions like this to get a feel uh, for what people are going to do uh, in terms of acreage decisions, both this fall and next spring. And so this will be a theme uh, that we'll be following up on in in future surveys. Sounds good. Well, that is a conclusion of all the specific questions we are going to talk about. But I want to ask you, Michael, a, a real quick question. If there's a word of the day, would you would you agree with me that the word is uncertainty? Uh, definitely. And and, uh, and and as I've said many times on the on these podcasts, production agriculture has always had, had faced a lot of risk and uncertainty, but it's particularly high right now. And and I think I think a big part of that it really is inflation. You got to remember that farmers are consumers too. They 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 have some of the same worries that that consumers have, and uh, you know particularly when they're buying buying their inputs. They're consumers of those inputs, and so it's just more difficult to plan uh, when when you have when you have a lot of price volatility on the input side. They they they're they're kind of used to the price volatility in the output side, but when you start getting price volatility in the output side and the input side, just think how difficult it is to make decisions like should I install tile drainage uh, should well how much should I bid on this piece of land it just it just magnifies it multi, you know uh, uh, multiples uh, when, when you have this much uncertainty it also makes it harder to do calculations like break-even analysis like if you're wanting to know what's the yield that you need to get from a particular field to break even on a piece of land it, it makes it extremely hard with these volatile prices and and one of the things that we've been encouraging farmers uh, to use is they're used quite a bit in, in other industries, and, and some farmers do this, is to run scenarios. Uh, you know, look at, look at, uh, look at uh, three different 
price scenarios rather than one uh, when you're doing your budgeting. Once you get that first budget done, it's not that much more difficult to just put in some some other scenarios. And so put in kind of your best guess using futures prices and then put in a guess where the prices are lower, uh, you know, because it could be. Uh, the supply and demand is, 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 is uh, there's a lot of factors impacting supply and demand of, of agriculture commodities around the world, and, and those change very rapidly. And so put in a price that's lower, but also put in a set of prices that's higher, because uh, that would be a scenario where if, if prices are higher, you know, maybe this is, would be a good year to buy machinery or, or uh, construct some bins or something like that. Yeah, so I, I definitely will agree with you there. I think this year of all years is uh, one to do a sensitivity analysis or you know, a, a worst case scenario analysis, right? So do your budget, but then take everything that could go wrong, increase interest rates by two to 3%, decrease your land values by five or 10%, increase input costs and see what that would do to, um, you know, in that particular scenario um, and really say, okay, worst case, what, what would happen to do that? And I think that would really help for planning. So this wraps up our discussion today. For more details about the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, please go to our website, which is purdue.edu backslash ag barometer. For all of your farm management news and information, please go to the Center for Commercial Agriculture's website at purdue.edu backslash commercial ag. Uh, the next Ag Economy Barometer will be released on Tuesday August 2nd for the July results. Um, I encourage you to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And on behalf of Michael Langmeyer and the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture, I'm Brady Brewer, and I thank you for listening to today's podcast.